This message is from Grace Church, located in Frisco, a suburb of Dallas-Fort Worth. The Grace Church website is gracechurchfrisco.org. Pete Payne is a pastor and is preaching this message. Okay, we are going to be going through a lot of Scripture. This is the end of our little mini-series on the Word today. We're going to be going through a lot of Scripture, so please pray for Steve because he's got 4,333 slides to put up during this message. You don't have to read them all, but I would like to encourage you to jot down references as we're going through this so that you can meditate, because this message is on memorization and meditation on the Word, memorization of the Word and meditation on the Word, uh, and just as tools, we're going to talk about this and what does the Bible have to say about it. So let's begin looking at Paul speaking to Timothy. We're going to go through a lot of scriptures. We're going to kind of keep coming back to two in particular. One of them is this one in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Paul writes to Timothy, this is near the end of Paul's life. So these are his final instructions to one who is currently leading the church in Ephesus. So his prodigy, somebody that he's passing the baton to, he says this, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crop. So he's given him three pictures. Think over what I say, Timothy, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So basically Paul is asking Timothy to think about or to meditate on the things that he has said, which Paul knew these are going to be Scripture. So Timothy, meditate on the Scripture. Meditate on the things that I'm saying. And he promises that as he does so, the Lord will give him full understanding. So there is a New Testament command to Timothy to meditate, to think about these things. And as a result of that, to get understanding. Here are some definitions. If you look at meditate in the Old Testament, there are five different Hebrew words that are used. And they mean things like this. When you hear the word meditate, when you read through Psalm 119 and you see this word meditate, here are the things that it means. It means to mutter. To growl, to coo like a dove, to ruminate, you can look that one up after the service, roll over in the mind, analyze, study, imagine, muse, mutter, groan. One of the words means a resounding musical response. So you've been meditating actually already this morning as we've been singing some of these songs that come directly from Scripture. Making melody, musing, the act of meditating musically. Another word means reflection or thorough study, musing thoughtfully. And the final one, the fifth one, means communicating, musing, babbling, deeply considering, pondering, studying, putting forth thought. So there is a lot of different words that are all summed up in the word in the Hebrew, meditate, five different words, and we carry that forth into the New Testament as well. With that in mind, I want to read a story to you, or part of a story, about D-Day. How many of you have ever heard of D-Day? How many of you under the age of 21 have ever heard of the word D-Day? Yeah? Good. Good. So some of the history books are still true. The success of the D-Day operation depended on careful preparation. While factories in Britain worked around the clock to produce the huge quantities of weapons, ammunition, and equipment needed by the invasion forces, a wide variety of specialists contributed their unique skills and knowledge. Detailed information was compiled about the German defenses, the terrain, and the weather conditions. Reliable intelligence about the geography and geology of the Normandy coastline and the strength of the German defenses was vital. Undercover agents made night sorties on the beaches to survey the landing sites. Aerial reconnaissance showed the layout of the German fortifications and pre-war postcards and holiday snaps. I think that means snapshots, but this is British. So holiday snaps of France sent in by the public after an appeal by the Admiralty also provided valuable information. Imagine this. The, the Joint Chiefs of Staff sending a message out to all Americans' places. Would you please send us your postcards and pictures that you took on your last visit to Normandy? That's what they did. Hey, they also provided valuable information. Using these resources, the planners were able to produce detailed maps and models to brief the invasion force. Nothing could be left to chance, and split-second accuracy was vital for the success of the mission. We studied the latest aerial photographs. Some had been taken within the past 24 hours. These were extremely helpful as they showed the bridges in minute detail. These photographs, together with the most perfect scale model that the Allies could make, gave us a very clear picture 
of the bridges in surrounding countryside. The large-scale model had been compiled with the aid of photographs, maps, and local intelligence reports. Nothing that could be of help to us had been left out. Every house, every outbuilding, every hedgerow, gateway, ditch, tree, and fortification had been meticulously recorded. We were advised, listen to this, that if a pane of glass had been broken in any window, it would be shown on the model. Meanwhile, the officers, officers and the NCOs were very busy learning the story of what we were going to do, memorizing maps, studying models, photographs, intelligence reports, and that sort of thing. In other words... These officers and men spent weeks studying battle plans and the maps that had been prepared with great care and in great detail. They knew, what did they know? That when they hit those beaches, it was going to be chaos. And that shortly after they were there, after the fighting, they would be in the dark. The paratroopers would drop into the dark in country that they couldn't possibly know. They'd never been there before. And they needed to know everything in order to survive. Their lives would depend on it. The lives of the officers' men would depend on these things. So they memorized them. They memorized. They rehearsed the details in their minds. They studied and they meditated on these things. If such preparation was necessary for that battle, which was one battle in one war in the long history of human warfare that started with when Cain killed Abel, if that kind of preparation was necessary, how much more is preparation necessary for you who have been dropped into warfare. You live in a battleground. You were born into a battleground. Your children face a battle, not just for the end of World War II. This was a very significant battle in human terms, but there's a much larger battle, much more significant battle. How much more do we need to prepare? Think of what they did, the trouble they went to, and just remind yourself, there's a bigger battle, and there's more that I need to do. So let's read the other passage that we're going to keep coming back to is Psalm 119. Let's read one stanza. This is the second stanza. It's verse 9. And it goes like this. Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not stray from your commandments. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. I think what we're going to find as we go through, again, a ton of scripture today, and I'm, I, want it, I want to do this intentionally. I want this to kind of wash over you, so I don't expect you to write all these things down. Get, get the um, references. Check them. Just write the references down. You can go home and meditate on them and memorize them this afternoon before the game, all of these. Okay. So memorizing and meditating on the word, though, as we go through these things, prepares our hearts and our minds for obedience and for fruitfulness. In other words, for victory. They prepared for victory. God wants us victorious. And this is one of the ways, one of the very key ways that we prepare for that. So it's going to be a different kind of message today. Typically we do expository teaching. We just go line upon line through the scripture. This series has been a little bit different. We're doing textual topical messages. So we're kind of looking at more broadly at what God says about certain things. And again, I'm kind of anchoring in these two texts. But next week after uh, we'll have the ordination service, which will be a special one. And then we're going to go after that back to our typical time of teaching. But this is a, just a different message. We aren't typically going to go through 500 passages of scripture in one day, but today will be the exception. So we've had three weeks prior to this on the Word. Craig has taught us to, in the first week, we need to read and study. And he just noted how the, the, even the reading of the Word has declined among those who call themselves evangelical believers. Let's not let that be true. Reading the Word is so critical. And then he gave us a message from this very same Psalm 119 about how our affections need to be stirred. We need to delight in the Word. How can you Respond to that command. Delight yourself. That's a hard one. How do you make yourself emotional over something? It's a great question to ask and to meditate on. Think about that. Think about how do you do that. And then last week from James 1, we learned it's not enough just to read or even to say or feel that we delight in it. If there's not obedience to the word, 
then all of these things ultimately are meaningless. So he taught us that we don't want to be just hearers who deceive themselves, looking in the mirror, seeing something on their face, and then walking away and pretending like it's not there. Okay, that would be foolishness. But instead, we want to gaze intently into this perfect law that gives us liberty. So the goal today is to encourage you to increase your practice of meditation and hopefully increase your practice of memorization as well. I believe that meditation is a command. We're commanded to meditate on Scripture. And I believe that memorization is a great tool that I'm not sure how we really meditate unless we memorize. So I I couldn't find a command to memorize. So I wouldn't want to go as far as to say that it's a command. But again, just thinking about it, how often these two are linked. I've hidden your word in in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's not a command to hide the word in your heart, but the psalmist certainly did. Jesus certainly did, and we're going to see that. Charles Spurgeon wrote this. Young man, and he's including all of you in this, so including me, young man, all of us, and women, the Bible must be your chart, and you must exercise great watchfulness that your way may be according to its directions. You must take heed to your daily life as well as study your Bible, and you must study your Bible that you may take heed to your daily life. With the greatest care, a man will go astray if his map misleads him. But with the most accurate map, he will still lose his road if he does not take heed to it. The narrow way was never hit upon by chance. Neither did any heedless man ever lead a holy life. To obey the Lord and walk uprightly will need all our heart and soul and mind. So you think about that with relation to the D-Day invasion and those preparations. He's saying the same thing. You need accurate maps and you need to follow them. We need an accurate map, and we have it. Here's the most accurate map ever written, leading you to the greatest treasure of all time. You have it. You have it in your hand. There are people all over the world who are longing for this and don't have it in their own language. We've got missionaries in Cameroon who are translating this into the language of the people. They're writing a written language. The hairs are there. Pray for them because they understand this is a treasure map, the treasure map of all treasure maps. So we have the accurate map. But how can we assure that not only do we have the accurate invasion map, that we're going we're to break down these gates of hell, but that we're also following it? So we need to follow our map with precision and accuracy. So with that, let's pray together. Father, your word says of itself that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And I just pray this morning... Lord, that you, by your Spirit, would pour out the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you on this congregation. I pray, Father, for those who are not reading the Word, that you would provoke them to read regularly. I pray, Lord, for those who don't love your Word, that you, by your Spirit, would enable us, all of us, to be able to say, in truth, increasingly, with the psalmist, how I love your law. Oh, Lord. And Father, I pray most of all that you would help us to be not just hearers, but doers to your glory. At the end of all of these things, Lord, we pray that you would receive glory from our lives. So let us be that kind of a people we ask and help us to hear, Lord. We, we recognize our deafness and our weakness, our inability Apart from you, we can do nothing, Lord. So please fill us with ability right now to discern what it is that you're saying to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, six brief points. Actually, some of them are less brief than others. But six points, six somewhat brief points as to why. This is the answer to the why question. Why should we memorize and meditate? Why should we do that? Number one. The first reason is to avoid yielding to sin when trials and temptations come. From our psalm that we just read, I've hidden your word in my heart, what? So that I may not sin against you. I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Now, memorizing scripture does not ensure that you're not going to sin. But it certainly helps. That's what the psalmist is saying. So let's look at a couple of examples. One from the beginning of the New Testament, Eve 
I mean, at the beginning of the Old Testament. Eve, at the beginning of the Old Testament, Eve meditated on what she had memorized. Now, listen to these passages. Some parts of this are going to be up on the screen for you. Just get the references down. I'm going to read more than is up on the screen, but I, these are for emphasis that are, that are going to come up. Are you ready, Steve? Here we go. The Lord God took the man, this is from Genesis 2, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Word of God, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. That is the word of the Lord. Now notice it starts with a very positive thing. You may do all of this, just don't do this one thing. That was the word of the Lord. Okay, it was a word given to Adam before Eve was created. Note that chronology in your Bible. We don't know, we don't have a record of, as to whether God ever spoke that to Eve or whether Adam was supposed to teach her. So we don't know that. But the, the serpent comes to Eve. Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say... You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Now watch this. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. So what did she do? The serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. You see how, for whatever reason, Eve added to the word of God. She did not have it memorized correctly. It was not word for word. She added her own words to it. We have no idea. She had memorized incorrectly, and therefore she was meditating incorrectly on the word. Maybe Adam, he's like some guys, if uh, this is not me, my wife would always be more on time than me, but if, if I were one of those guys that liked to be places on time and felt that that was important and wasn't always the one that was late, then my, I, I would might say to my wife, okay, we let's see, we have to be there at 2. So I'm going to tell her that we have to be there at 1.45 so that at least we make sure that we get there by 2. I know that happens in some relationships. It just doesn't happen in ours because I'm the one that's late and she's the one that's on time. But maybe Adam did that. Maybe Adam went to Eve and he said, okay, here's what God said. Don't eat. I'm going to, I'm going to make the, the circle of disobedience a little bit bigger and tell her don't even touch it. So maybe Adam did that. Maybe Eve made that up herself. Maybe she told herself those things. But whatever happened, they, she did not have the words of God memorized. And she meditated on something that was not true. And the devil had her because her sword was not the sword. Okay? Contrast. Or see, see from that. See from adding those five little words. Think about this. The pain and suffering for thousands of years that's been inflicted on you, on me, on countless billions of people that have lived by five words being added to the Scripture. Take heed to that. Contrast then at the beginning of the New Testament. So that was the beginning of the Old Testament. Now here's the beginning of the New Testament. Jesus at the beginning of the New Testament, faces a very similar encounter. Eve encountered the serpent. Jesus encounters the devil. Same being. Matthew three sixteen, When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Here's the Word of God. Just like he gave the Word to Adam... He now gives the word to Jesus and to everyone who is listening at that point. This is my beloved son. Matthew 4. Then, right after that, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God. So he immediately challenges the word of God. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, not from his own imagination. This is God the Son. And what does he do? It is written. He didn't add to it. 
He didn't take away from it. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up to a holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If, again, you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written. Now, here's, here Satan becomes subtle. He's going to use the Scripture to tempt Jesus. Jesus was not an easy pick like Eve had been and like Adam was. He's already resisted him. He's resisted the devil. He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You have a promise from Scripture, Jesus. Claim it. Jesus said, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Big question mark on, the, on your Bible. Why was that bad for, God, for Jesus to have that? Why, did, why shouldn't he have been able to do that? That's a great point to meditate on. In a couple of weeks, we're going to, um, Craig was going to do this t- uh, teaching on the one-to-one studies, and obviously he's not going to do that from Kansas City today. We're going to bump that for two weeks, but in a couple of weeks, you're going to be going through this book, and we're going to want all of you, uh, hopefully either through your care group or if you can't work it out through your care group, we want everybody involved in, with a one-to-one or one-to-two Bible study. And one of the methods in there is called the Swedish method, the Swedish method of studying your Bibles. And one of the things they do is every passage they read they want you to put a big question mark. What's the question that comes to mind? It's a great way of meditating. What question is raised by this text that I don't necessarily know the answer to? I don't want to just be one of those students who goes, I don't get that, but I'll close my book. I want to be somebody who goes, Lord, I don't get this. What is this? Why was it bad for Jesus not to follow that word and just claim the promise of jumping off the temple? That would have been a cool thing to watch the angels come and do that. Why was it? Jesus interpreted Scripture with other Scripture. He gives us an example of how to study the Word there. None of that was in my notes, and now we're in serious trouble. Okay, all of the devil took him up to a very high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. So now he challenges with the very first temptation. The devil wanted to raise his throne up above the throne of God. And he's saying to Jesus, you do the same thing. Do it. It's the way to live. Do it my way. Here's the better map for you. Jesus says to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and with him and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him. Resist the devil and he will flee from you, the word says. So that's exactly what happens. So we see the beginning of the Old Testament, beginning of the New Testament, these pictures, not by mistake that they're right there and right there. These pictures of what it means to deal with the warfare that every one of us faces every day. Don't do it the way Eve did it, by adding to or taking away from the Word of God. Do do it like Jesus did, by saying, it is written. You could spend the rest of your lives mining these two passages. There, is so, there are billions of sermons, and I'm tempted to try to teach all of them. I'm not going to do it. But Jesus, notice how Jesus had memorized correctly. He knew the Word of God exactly. He had meditated on the details. He didn't just claim a promise from God that was not a command. Instead, he took a command and interpreted the, the promise through the command. That's true. If, if I happened to fall, he would pair me up if it weren't my day to go. But he never told me to jump off the temple. In fact, he told me not to put my father to the test. So he knew, he had meditated on it, he had chewed on it, he had thought about how the pieces go together. He knew what he was supposed to do, and he passed the test, unlike Adam and Eve. We, we, absolutely, if God himself, the Son, needed to do this, how much more do we need to meditate and memorize? Memorize and meditate on this amazing, amazing word until we get to the point that we say, how I love your law. I can't wait to get up in the morning and and spend time in the Word. Why do I have to sleep? That's what we want. That's what I want. That's what I want for all of you, that every morning you wake up and you're like, I cannot wait to open my Bible. It's possible. It can happen. I promise. I promise. Or the Bible's not true. Reason number two, why memorize and meditate? It's very closely related to the first, but there's a subtle difference here. The first reason was so that we don't sin. The second reason is so that we do right, so that we obey. So the second reason to memorize and meditate is to be obedient to the Word. Back to Psalm 119, verse 
that's, I forget what verse this one is, but because I didn't write it down. Let me not wander from your commandments. I've stored up your word in my heart. I think it's verse 10 or 11, that I might not sin against you. Okay, I've stored up my word. There's a wrong way to go and there's a right way to go. There's a, there's a map that I've been given, a very accurate map. And if I go off and don't follow the map, that's foolishness. But if I do follow the map, I'm going to miss the minefields. I'm going to avoid the machine guns. I'm going to, I'm, you've, you've mapped this out for me, God. Help me to follow this. So listen to Deuteronomy 6. Parents, what, well, here's a great description of what it means to meditate. All those words that we talked about at the beginning, muttering, murmuring, singing, all these things. Listen to this. These words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them on as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And I've been to many of your houses and you've got little cards with scripture on them and on the refrigerator and various things. Good job. Very good. I mean, this is exactly what he's talking about. Be diligent. Teach them. Think of the officers planning D-Day. You're planning D-Day for your kids every day when they get up. Equip them. Help them to memorize. Help them to meditate on the Word. Give them an example of how you do it and what God shows you as you do that. In Deuteronomy 17, we have this kind of obscure passage, but it's a great passage because Moses is being given instructions by the Lord about when the king, when a king comes... Even though that wasn't the best, but he knew that a king was going to come. When you get Saul and David and Solomon and all the kings that were followed, here's what he is to do. Now listen carefully. When this king sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself a book, in a book, a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priests. Okay, so the king is supposed to write a Bible for himself in his own hand, and then he's supposed to submit it to the priest to make sure that it's accurate. Uh, That is an incredible statement. And listen, it shall be with him and he shall read in it all the days of his life. He may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes and doing them. That his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers and that he may not turn aside from the commandment either to the right or to the left. So that he may continue long in his kingdom, he and his children in Israel. Folks, your kids are a kingdom of priests. They need to do the same thing. They, they are kings and priests in the kingdom of God. They're a royal priesthood. So this commandment, which was written down for the good of the king and for the good of his people, is, just still has echoes of wonderful instruction for us today. So that was the second point. In order to, why, why memorize and meditate? In order to be obedient to the word. The New Testament says it this way. In Colossians 3.16. Here's another 3.16. Let, now here's a command. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. So we had, we had really an admonishment and instruction coming from Dale. I feel like the Lord gave her that word for us this morning. Just a reminder of this God who, who just sings over us and wants our affections to reflect him. Okay, She was doing exactly this. And why, did, why is she doing it? Because she had meditated on that all week. And then something stirred in her in the prayer meeting this morning. So she brought that word to us. So singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That's what meditation is. All of those things. Third reason. So avoid sin. To be obedient. Why memorize and meditate? The third reason. To obtain the promises of God and live a prosperous and victorious life. Now we're not talking about prosperous and victorious in a under the sun sense. We're talking about an ultimately prosperous and victorious life from a heavenly perspective. From Joshua, first chapter. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. So the history of Israel, which is chronicled for us in the Old Testament, is full of examples of men who didn't do this. And in the, in the physical realm, their kingdoms and their people suffered. And other men who, for the most part, did do this. And they saw prospering. And they saw, in the physical realm, they saw kingdoms raised up. When David and Solomon 
followed the Lord, things, good things happened. When they moved away from the Lord, and that was a picture for us in the physical realm of what happens now in the spiritual realm under the new covenant. So we're not, we're not preaching here that if you do this, you will get material benefit from it. It may come because God is a good God. But we are preaching here this truth that as you do these things, as you apply yourselves to the promises of God, you will, as Peter says, escape the corruption that's in the world caused by sinful desires and participate in the divine nature. That's the very thing you're called to do, to follow after this one, to become like him. Memorizing and meditating on his word is a key means of doing this. Listen to the passage that Craig read from last week. Listen to the commands here. Therefore, put away... All filthiness and rampant wickedness. Now, how do you know what those things are? From the word. And receive with meekness the implanted word. Receive it every morning. Come, Lord, feed me today. I don't want to be a spiritual anorexic. Feed me. And uh, which is able to save your souls. So there's the promise. There's what's going to happen as you do this. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer... He is like the man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one that looks into... Now, this is an interesting thing. That word means stoop to look into. It's the same word that was used of Peter and of Mary when they looked into the tomb. They stooped to look into. They didn't just give it a a passing glance. You can imagine what was happening there. They were obviously transfixed. The tomb is empty. It's the same kind of deliberateness that God is calling us to. The one who looks into the perfect law. How many of you would like to have a perfect law that gives you liberty? It's here. You have it. Do you want to be free? Here is the perfect law. Are you gazing into it? Are you meditating on it? Are you memorizing it? Are you committing it? Are you storing it up in your heart? in order to, uh, for, to avoid sin, in order to do the right thing, and in order to receive all these promises from God, all of these things. So the fourth reason why memorize and meditate, to become someone who delights in the Word. I asked the question earlier, how do you do that? How do you, make, how do you respond to that command? Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Word. How do you do that? It's a hard thing to do. I believe that meditation and memorization are tools that will help you to get to that place. Just like any other form of exercise, whenever I fall off the wagon, like at Christmas time, and I'm eating things I shouldn't eat, and I'm stopping my exercise routine, three weeks later, when I'm thinking about getting up out of bed at whatever time that my alarm goes off after hitting the snooze button for 12 times, then and walking on the treadmill or going outside to walk, it, it, it just feels like, this is death. There's no way that I'm going to do this. But after I've done it, if I ever get to do it, and this is why you need accountability and things, after I've done it for a couple of days or a couple of weeks or sometimes as I get older for a couple of centuries, you know, I start to want to do it. I love walking. I love eating the right things. So my, my flesh tries to convince me that I don't, and so then I give in to my flesh and I just go down that path. But when I commit myself to these things, not only the the discipline of it ultimately leads to delight. It's just something that's built into the fabric of the universe. Try it. The most important discipline I believe that you can have is being in the Word and prayerfully, meditatingly being in the Word every day. I think it's more important than you eating. It's more important than you drinking. And I want, I, I just, my heart would be, please believe that. I believe Jesus believed that. He's starving. He's not eaten for 40 days. He has the power to turn stones into bread. And instead he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let's follow his example. From Psalm 1, listen to this. Blessed is the man. And imagine Jesus as a 10-year-old memorizing this. Okay, because he was the only one who ever did this on his own. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight. And on that law, he meditates day and night. This is one of those places where the little word and 
every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. His delight is in the law of the, of the Lord, and on, and on his law he meditates. The two go together. Delight and meditation would appear to go together from that passage. Very important. Fifth reason why memorize and meditate. To develop a complete understanding of the person, plan, and purposes of God. You're reading... Your study as a young child is like putting all these puzzle pieces on the table. It, it's nonsense. It doesn't look like anything. It's just a bunch of blobs of color. You've got to find the edge pieces. You've got to find the corner pieces. You gotta, but eventually, you're going to put the puzzle together, and it's gonna, you're going to go, ah, I see what it is. That's if you try to put together without the box top, which I've never done. So, but God has the box top. He knows exactly what the puzzle's going to look like. And as you submit yourself to this, and as you meditate, you're going to start to see how this passage relates to this passage. And how even though he says things like, throw yourself off the pinnacle because he's going to protect you, that doesn't mean to do it. Because what, what the command is, is don't put your, the Lord your God to the test. So he sees how those pieces put together. So you're going to, as you, as you submit to this meditation and memorization of Scripture, you're going to come to a fuller understanding. Think about Peter on the day of Pentecost. What happened? Here's Peter, a, a Jewish fisherman. We don't know how old he was. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit falls on him, and he gets up and preaches a sermon. He quotes from Joel. He quotes from two, at least two different psalms in this very spontaneous sermon. I guarantee you he was not writing that the day before. Where did it come from? Did God just spontaneously bring all these things that he had never thought about before? I doubt it. He's a good Jewish boy. He probably had tons of scripture stored up in his heart and in his life. And God took of that reservoir and brought it to him. And he was able, at, in that moment, with the need to preach a, a magnificent message, calling people to repentance and, and showing them, here's the whole plan of God. Joel said this. It was about this day. The pieces are coming together for him. And the psalmist said this. It was about this. This is what, what you've been reading about since you were children, all of you people listening to me. This is it. So because he had done that, and because the Holy Spirit was now able to bring those pieces together, if you never memorize and you never meditate, I believe you're testing God when the moment comes to say, okay, God, can you now give me what I need, even though I've not done that? I've not given myself to this kind of memory and meditation which you've commanded my whole life, you're going to be left with nothing. Now, God can overcome all of that. But I want to encourage you to be like Jesus, be like Paul, be like these ones who were able to, to be victorious, be like Peter. Again, the, the passage that we read Eve, earlier, Paul says, he talk, talks about being a, a soldier, talks about being an athlete, talks about being a farmer. Three very strange images to leave with Timothy. Clearly, then he says, these should all put a question mark in your mind, Timothy. Think about what I say. So Timothy now has, he has raw material to think about. What, is, what does he mean, being a soldier? There's, there are so many things that you could learn just by thinking about that. What about the farmer? What about, what about the athlete? And as you chew on those and meditate on those, God's going to bring other passages of Scripture to mind, and He's going to put, start to put pieces together. But the more you've got hidden in your heart, the more you've studied, the more you've chewed on and muttered about and talked about with other people, all of these things, all of these truths, all of these little puzzle pieces, the more quickly you're going to go, aha, I see what it is, and I see what I'm supposed to do. In his final word to the church, in 2 Peter, Peter writes this, We have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. Think back to Eve. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, man but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In essence, Peter's saying the same thing. Pay close attention. All of my readers, which includes us, all of, those of you, all those of you who are listening to me, pay close attention until this aha moment comes, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart and you see and understand the grace of God and that all of these things in the Old Testament point forward to this, to this day. When that happens, guess what you get to do? Now you get to go back and read it all again. 
And you'll see more and more glories of it. And instead of it being two-dimensional, it's going to become three-dimensional and four-dimensional until the day you die. And it will be beyond any dimension when you're face-to-face with the Lord. But all of these things are what we need to be treasuring up in our heart. So, finally, number six, why memorize and meditate? Because trying to live life without doing that, with the wrong map, will always result in becoming hopelessly lost. Missing the mark of doing and hearing the will of God as revealed in his word will have eternal consequences. Hearing, memorize, and meditating on the word for the purpose of greater obedience will have eternal benefits. So right back to the very first two points. Avoid sin and do the right thing. And what happens? All of these benefits that the word talks about accrue to you. The very last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, says this. I warn everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the books of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. Now, he's referring that John's referring specifically to the book of Revelation, but many commentators citing the fact that this is the last chapter in the Bible... And God knew from the beginning what would be the last chapter. This has echoes for all of the Word of God. Don't add to it, Eve, or us. Don't take away from it, which so often happens in in the world today. We 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 pair off that particular teaching of Paul, or Jesus didn't really mean that, or I don't want to have to do that, or I I don't want to have to pay attention to these things. And pretty soon we've just got a very truncated Bible that's full of fun sayings and never challenges us and it's not the word of God anymore contrast the voice of wisdom so the voice of the enemy and the accuser says change the word here's what the voice of wisdom says from Proverbs 2 my son if you receive my words and treasure up my commands with you making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding if you call out for insight and raise your voice For understanding. See all this meditation, all of those words. Think about what we were talking about at the beginning. It's vocalizing it. It's talking to God. It's talking with one another. It's singing back and forth, all of these things. If you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. I would encourage you to do that with Psalm 119, just with this passage. Is today, go home. Just look at these eight verses, Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16. I had, I, that's what I did. I'm not going to go over this right now, but just think about every verse. What does it mean? For example, I, in verse 10, I said, with my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. So here, here's a meditation. Here's what I did with that as I was studying for this. Okay, I'm not to be double-minded or of a divided heart about the word. I need to be focused and determined and passionate to be a doer and not a hearer only. The psalmist here, he, he wants an accurate map, and he wants to follow it exactly. So it just reminded me again, think about the difference between Eve, who is very careless with the word. Maybe not her fault. It may have been Adam's fault. Probably was, is my guess, because that's what happens to me. It's almost always my fault. And Jesus, it is written, it is written, it is written. James Montgomery Boyce writes this, Psalm 119, 9-11 also tells us what we should do to live for God, to hide God's word in our hearts. Hiding his word in our hearts means not just to read it, but also to study it and even to memorize it. In fact, memorizing is precisely what is called for, since it's only when the word of God is readily available in our minds that we are able to recall it in moments of need and profit by it. John Calvin One final quote here. If we do not imbibe the doctrine of God and are well acquainted with it, Satan will easily surprise and entangle us in his meshes. Our true safeguard then lies not in a slender knowledge of his law or in a careless perusal of it, but in hiding it deeply in our hearts. Here we are reminded that however men may be convinced of their own wisdom, they are yet destitute of all right judgment except as far as they have God as their teacher. That's a great word of warning to those of us who have been walking with the Lord for many, many years. We are always going to be tempted to think we've arrived. And until we meet with him face to face, we've not arrived. We've got more work to do, more study to do. There's more mining to do. There's deeper nuggets 
that God wants to give us as we do this. So, in conclusion, I want to give you some hows. All those were the why. Why should we memorize and meditate? I think there is clearly a command to meditate. I don't think there's a command to memorize, but like I said at the beginning, I think it's very difficult to fulfill the commands to meditate without having committed. How do you, unless you're going to have your Bible with you all day, every day, and able to open it, you're not going to be able to fulfill the commands to meditate when you're driving. But if the word's in your heart and you've memorized it, you will be able to meditate not just on your own thoughts or your own paraphrase, but on the specific words of God. So I want to challenge you guys to memorization as a tool, as something I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to you to challenge your children to do this. I believe that Jesus did this as a child, and so he was well-prepared when as a 12-year-old he's in the temple talking with the teachers. He was very well-prepared when he faced to the temptation in the wilderness. He said, it is written, it is written, it is written. So just a couple of examples of ways that over the last year God has met me in this way. I, I, I did not start memorizing the word early enough. I so regret it. I so regret that I didn't start when I was three. Because my little granddaughter, when she was three, Annie, she could memorize a lot of stuff. And I recognize I wasn't as smart as she was when I was three, but, because I was a boy, but, you know, boys are brain damaged. You know that, right? So, I, but, but if I'd started then, and I, I had some verses committed to memory, but at some point after I got married, I just started, the Lord just provoked me to start doing this. So I would memorize while I was running. That was, again, that was back, like, right after the Civil War, because I don't run anymore. I walk. But now I memorize while I'm walking. So I, I like to memorize passages of Scripture, not just verses. But a lot of people like to memorize verses, whether they're called John Piper's fighter verses or the Navigator memory packs. I want to challenge you guys this year. I don't think you can be obedient to the Word without becoming deep meditators. And I think it's very difficult to be deep meditators without memorizing. So I want to challenge you to do that. So here's an example. I'm working through Romans right now. and got to the ends of Romans 8, and you know that just glorious passage, what can separate us from the love of God? And Paul just goes to the mountaintop. It's, I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels, angels nor rulers or all these things, nothing, none of these things can separate us from the love of God. And then as I was working into the next chapter in Romans 9, here's the, very way, here's the way that that starts. I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart because of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. So he went from this, just this ecstatic end of all that he's taught to a church that he's never seen. He's taught his entire teaching of his gospel to Romans 8, ending with nothing can separate me from the love of God. And then the very next thing is he's saying, I'm full of sorrow and anguish for who? For his enemies. These are the people that are running him out of town. They're stoning him. These are, these are the Jews that are giving him a difficult time because he's teaching. And I just, as I'm chewing on that, I'm thinking about that, I just said, Lord, I'm not like you. I'm not like Paul, let alone like you. And it just took me right back to Romans 1, where he says, Here, here's what the unrighteous do. By their unrighteousness, they suppress the truth. And I was walking on the treadmill, and I just started to weep. Because I, I, the immediate application for me was my wife, and how often I'm, I'm the one who's supposed to be representing God to her. I'm supposed to be, as, as Ephesians would say, loving her as Christ loved the church. And how often has my sin given her a marred image of God. I've suppressed the truth about God through the things that I do to sin against her in, in other ways. And just, I just, I thought, I, Lord, I have so far to go, so far. I'm not like Paul. I don't love my enemies to the point that I would give up my salvation for my enemies. I'm not, God's not done with me yet. But then, praise God, he's not done with me yet. So that, that's meditation. You know, think about some of your verses. I encourage you, write question marks down. When you have a question, don't just shut the book and ignore the question. That's the Holy Spirit saying, you don't get this yet, do you? Ask me. Go deeper. Seek my face on this. And the end of all of it, the end of all that we do is all to the glory of God. 
It's all about the one ultimately that we need to be meditating on and that it's, it's his face that we're seeking as we do this. So a couple of recommendations for you if you've not done this. Donald Whitney's book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, is a classic. And there are two wonderful chapters in that book on the Word. Chapter, I think it's chapter 3 and chapter 4. But I would highly recommend that book. It's been around for a lot of years. Donald Whitney teaches up at Southern Seminary. I've met him. I've been in his class where he teaches meditation. He teaches Christian meditation. It is a powerful class. Because it's not just some dry rote thing. It's, it's this just alive with the spirit as you're in there. He's talking about these kinds of things. So I highly commend that book to you, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. That will help you to know how to do this. It'll give you a lot of ideas. There's many ideas in there about how to meditate and how to memorize. Another great book, and I meant to bring it up with me, which is less well-known. It's just called CM. CM, and it's, in, it's an older book. It's in response to TM, Transcendental Meditation, Eastern Meditation. It's called CM, Christian Meditation. And Ed Clowney, who is a professor, who is one of Tim Keller's professors at Westminster Seminary, wonderful Bible teacher. But this is a little book. You could read it, although I, I would take a year to read it because it is so full of meditations on how he takes the word and just chews on it and what comes from that. As you're reading it, your soul is just inspired to want to be in the word. So that, those two books would be two that I would highly, highly recommend that you get. If you've never done any memorization, ask some people. Some people use cards. Some people use their phone. Some people like to listen to the word. And, and, they, and I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to say it out loud. Think back to all those, verse, all those definitions of muttering and what it means to meditate. It's out loud. It's singing. It's thinking. It's cogitating. It's all these various things. All of that has, are, all those things are in view when we're talking about meditation. But most importantly, meditate on this one. And Steve, if we could just put up this last slide then. Here's the end of all of our meditation. Jesus is saying to these people who know the word, but they've missed the point of the word. You search the scriptures, you scribes and Pharisees, because you think that in them, meaning in them alone, you have eternal life. And it's they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. In other words, he's saying you've missed, you've had the exact map and you've not followed it. Because the end As Paul writes in Romans 10, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. The end of our searching, the end of our meditation is just this deeper and deeper and ever more glorious knowledge of this one who's singing over us. And he wants us to know him. So get this book. If you don't have this book... Most of you probably have 73 versions of it. Get this book and read it. Ask the Lord, Lord, make me somebody who delights in you. Teach me how to meditate. Find somebody who knows how to meditate and memorize. Get with them. Be accountable. Set a goal for yourself. Memorize the whole Old Testament this year. And then, the, I, no, actually, I'd recommend that you memorize the New Testament this year. It's a little easier than the Old Testament. Leviticus is hard to memorize. I don't have any of Leviticus memorized. So with that, let's pray. You've been listening to a message from Grace Church. For more information, visit our website or write us at podcast at gracechurchfrisco.org.